Hello, 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 and welcome to my podcast, That Show Fuck Me Up. It is I, the beautiful, the talented, the funny, your host, Mariel Vizcarra. Cue in the applause. What is up, Fucked Up fam? It's your girl. You already know the drill. Uh, Let's just get started with our updates, starting with personal. Um, I went to L.A. this weekend. Yes, I was up in L.A. area. Why, you might ask yourself, why am I sharing this information? Because I want to, because I can, because it's my podcast. Uh, Enough said. No, but, okay, so the reason that I went up to L.A. was because Alyssa's family, Alyssa, a.k.a. Yaya, a.k.a. Don Chamango, lives, well, not, no, she lives in San Diego. She lives in San Diego. (laughs) Her family lives up in L.A., and they threw her, like, a birthday party. It was Mama Mia themed, and it was not only her birthday party, but also her, her cousins. So it was, like, a joint birthday party. Uh, and she invited me and I was like, I love your family. I'm a pull up. Uh, but then what ended up happening is that I just ended up going in the same car with Alyssa, her fiance. Yes, her fiance. Cause she's engaged or whatever. And their dog, CC nasty. <laughs> Speaking of Alyssa, AKA, yeah, yeah. AKA Don Chamango. We, I think I've mentioned it in the past episodes. I don't know if I have, but we've been doing this annoying ass thing that it's not annoying to us, obviously, but it's annoying to like other people if they were to witness it. When we send each other text messages, we we do like an email format. Uh, so this is like I'm gonna give you an example, right? This is it. This is the one that I sent on Friday. Dear Alyssa, I hope your Friday is going splendidly. I accept your proposal to travel alongside you and your fiancé to your birthday soiree. Please let me know at what time I should be ready by or any other important details. Your friend always, Mariel. (laughs) And this is uh, what she responded. Dear Mariel, you are more than welcome to accompany us on our journey. I am elated to have you over this weekend. Please be ready by 9.45 a.m. If you have any questions, please feel free to text or call me. Have a great rest of your night, and I look forward to speaking with you tomorrow. Sincerely, Alyssa. And I'm like, and I respond. My dearly beloved, I am overjoyed by the fact that we will be traveling together. I await the next morrow with great anticipation. I know your name day soiree will be a, a magnificent gathering. I do have one question. Will you be beautifying yourself prior to our departure or once we arrive at our destination? I await your response anxiously. Hope to hear from you soon. My bestest wishes, Mariel Vizca. <laughs> if you don't do this with your friends, start doing it. It is so fun. It is so funny to just write out these like very fancy, fancy schmancy emails. And it's, uh, I definitely recommend doing it uh let's see but yeah so we went up to i believe the party was in cerritos cerritos and it's her her uncle and aunt's house such a beautiful house we got there we started helping with the decoration look 
I don't know what Alyssa's family ate, but they're so good at throwing parties. Like the theme was Mamma Mia. They put on decorations. They built an ark. They did all of the all of the decorations themselves. They had like a bunch of blue and white like candies because it was like it went with the theme. Everyone kind of dressed like in a beachy kind of wear. I wore like a bell bottom jeans and then like a white like flowy shirt. It was so good, and it it's great seeing, like, family come together like that to celebrate, you know, two of their family members. I had a great, great time. We drank a little. We, we talked. We laughed. Alyssa opened presents. 10 out of 10 would definitely recommend. And then the next day, we just went to go uh, eat breakfast. I believe it's called Grand Central Market or something like that. It's in downtown L.A., and it's... It literally gave me the vibe of Liberty Public Station, uh, like the market, because you there's just this, a bunch of food options. I wanted to get a bagel with smoked whitefish because I fucking love smoked whitefish. Uh, when we were growing up, we would go over to my uncle and aunt's house, and my uncle is a Jewish man, so they he loves fucking bagels with smoked whitefish and they used to sell it at fucking costco the whitefish but they stopped selling it and i have been craving that for so long so i go up and i order and they're like oh sorry we don't have whitefish and i'm like are you fucking kidding me but i ended up getting bagels and locks and it was really really good and they gave me a really delicious pickle and some potato salad on the side so good and so delicious and a really bomb iced coffee uh but yeah and then we just walked around like we went to the flower district and like the arts and crafts district i don't know i i don't go to downtown la but it was good and then we just came back and then i had a very relaxing sunday i am recording this uh actually Actually, I'm recording this on Halloween on Monday, October 31st. So I know by the time I release this episode, it's going to be it's not going to be Halloween anymore. But hope y'all had a spooky ooky Halloween and that y'all got to get to got to dress like whores or not. If you don't want to dress like a whore, that's fine. I I only dressed up for that one party that I went to that I, I dressed up as Nancy Downs from the craft and it was a lot of fun. Uh, I didn't do anything. I wanted like yesterday when I came back from LA, I was like, oh, I'm gonna go out. I'm gonna put on, I'm gonna put on a costume and go out. That did not end up happening. I needed rest. And I also needed to fi- finish the notes for today's recording. So I did that instead. And then I just stayed home and ordered Taco Bell and watched the bling empire getting ahead of myself for my recommendations corner. But yeah, I kind of since it's like since I'm recording this in Halloween, I kind of wanted to like reminisce uh, like about the iconic costumes that I've done. Uh, the most iconic, the one that I wore for like four or five years straight, I just kept wearing it because it was so fucking iconic. I dressed up as a dominatrix. Yes, I did. All of college, I used that costume and you do not understand the grip the grip that that costume had in my life and all of the accomplishments that I got to make wearing that costume uh sexy accomplishments absolutely uh (laughs) I will not go into detail because y'all do not need to know but 
it was a very simple costume it was literally just like a like a really tight uh latex dress and then i just bought like a whip and that's <laughs> and I, like a choker but the grip the grip that that costume had the dress does no longer fits me because uh i gained weight of course the look everyone gained weight during the pandemic and yes i gained weight what about it what about it i think i look amazing still so whatever what whatever uh what else so that one topped i think out of like top five the dominatrix one is still top one uh i dressed up as what's her name from the i think i already mentioned it the babysitter from cat in the hat i that's what i uh dressed up as last year iconic who was the babysitter i dressed up as mrs kwan <laughs> it was an iconic costume honestly she's a fashion icon mrs kwan with her blue eyeshadow thick eyeliner and red lips and purple hair what iconic uh what else i've dressed up as morticia adams um a witch but i mean a witch you know i've dressed up uh, like typical girl costumes a cat a kitty cat i was gonna meow but i don't think that that would have been appropriate sorry <laughs> But yeah, and this year, well, I dressed up as Nancy Downs, like I already mentioned, and I was thinking, oh my God, what else could I dress up as if I do end up going out of party? And I kind of wanted to dress up as Tokisha, uh, in the in the concert that she she was she came out as a guest during that Bad Bunny concert in the Dominican Republic, and she was just wearing like a like a super short like tennis skirt and like a pink shirt, and I and just like like glasses and her hair like I was gonna do my hair the same way she did but maybe for another year who knows who knows that's an easy costume another easy costume is um dressing up as Theo <laughs> from Haunting of Hill House because you literally just put on business casual clothes and then some gloves and that's it and I think that would have been a perfect outfit for like like costume for work but i forgot to bring my gloves to san diego whatever it's fine it's fine but yeah those are my uh previous costumes or icon or costumes that i want to do in the future what else uh let's go to our recommendations corn corner I've been catching up with True Crime Obsessed and like I uh, TV shows, Bling Empire. I've been binging, binging that. Oh my God, it is so much fucking drama. And I have thoughts. And I've been sharing them with my friend Kelly, uh, aka Kelly Vera. <laughs> because she's like the one that's like, it's so much drama. It's so bad, but it's so good. And she's right. She's right. Bling Empire, holy shit. Kane is always, uh, and if you don't care about the Bling Empire, you could just go ahead and like forward it a little bit. But Kane is literally the definition of a drama queen, and he swears, he literally swears that he hates drama. And but he's always getting involved and being a chismoso and just telling everyone's business, and it's so annoying. It's so annoying. Let's see, uh, Kim. 
girl, go to therapy. You have trust issues. Work through them. <laughs> go to therapy. Work through your issues, girl. Uh, what's uh, what's his face? Kevin, bro, you are a hater, and that you being a hater is the reason that you don't succeed. Because you should be like, like wanting the best for your for your friends, and then you don't. And, and then that's why you're a hater. Like if you truly love your friends, you're gonna want them to succeed, even if that means that they have like a like um they succeed more than what you're succeeding. Does that make sense? Stop being a fucking hater. Christine is misunderstood understood <laughs> take a shot christine isn't misunderstood again holy shit take a double shot <laughs> let me let me think about it christine is misunderstood i think i pronounced it right misunderstood no misunderstood <laughs> what the fuck i am so concerned am i having a stroke right now misunderstood i think that's how you pronounce it okay she's misunderstood oh my god <laughs> Y'all really come to listen to me mispronounce words. She is the M-I-S-U-N-D-E-R-S-T-O-O-D. Christine is that word. Christine is that word, and she needs better friends. No, she needs... The friends that she has right now are horrible. Like, horrible. Anna, she scares me a little bit, but I kind of fuck with how real she is. And even though she's also always getting involved in drama, even though she doesn't want to be involved, but I feel like everyone just comes and talk, like tells her stuff. So that's why she keeps getting involved. Uh, I think she's she's fucking funny. <laughs> but yeah, just my just my thoughts. Um, American Horror Story New York just came out. I haven't started watching it. I finished The Watcher. I really liked it. Um, the guy from The Watchers, the dad, so hot. What else? What fucking else? I think I already mentioned that I'm sad. that Well, this, this past Sunday, yesterday, was the first Sunday without House of the Dragon. And uh, my life doesn't have purpose anymore. I'm sad. I am a sad, sad girl. It's sad girl hours over here. But uh, going on to our books, I bought the book for that gives you like kind of the history of the House of Dragon and how things came to be, blah, 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 like before and during and after, because I need to know what happens. I need to know what fucking happens. So I started reading it yesterday and I'll keep you posted. I finished the book Appetite for Innocence by Lucinda Berry. It was really, really good. And I started The Perfect Child also by Lucinda Berry, I think. So good. I finished it. I finished it so fast. And I love um, because you could either read it or you could hear like the audible version where they just like you're, it seems like listening to a podcast. So really, really good. The Perfect Child, uh, this family adopts uh, uh little kid like a six-year-old that was severely abused and shit starts to get fucking crazy my dude fucking fucking crazy but yeah i think that's all that i have to tell you like everything that i have in the recommendations corner so let's get started with today's episode all right episode six of american horror story murder house is called Piggy Piggy. 
The episode starts with the doorbell ringing and Constance, we see Constance hurrying down the stairs to open the door. And when she does, there's a bunch of SWAT officers with their guns drawn. And one of the policemen asks if Tate Langdon lives there. Constance tells them that it's her son and she asks what he has done. And they all scurry inside and, and then we get a black screen showing the year, 1994. Cut to uh, seeing the cheerleader from the previous episode. So the ones that were in the Halloween episode and she's talking with the jock and they're flirting. And then we get a few more shots and we can see that all of the teens that were chasing after Tate or were at the beach are there in the library. And then two gunshots are heard and we can hear people screaming. More gunshots and people screaming and then the rocker dude runs into the library and starts blocking the door. The dog asks what he's doing and he tells them that somebody is shooting up the school. They uh, So one of the people inside the library, they're like, oh, did you get hit? And the rocker like looks down at his hands and he's like, that's not my blood. And he mentions how he was standing next to someone when they were shot. So when Al asks who the shooter is and he tells them that he doesn't know and then the jock yells that they need to get the hell out of there but then they hear more gunshots approaching and then the librarian tells them to all go and hide. Some of the people in the library hide under the tables and some behind bookshelves and then the shooter tries to open the door to get to the library but since the, the rocker guy uh, blocked it he can't get in through that door. They hear footsteps and then they notice that there's another door to the library and they and like I think the jock makes like hand signals to the goth chick to go block the door but she's paralyzed by fear. So the, the librarian goes to hold the door and and uh, he goes to hold the door shut but then there's a, a gunshot through the door and the librarian falls to the ground. So he literally got shot through the door. The door opens and we just see combat boots and the goth chick uh, is trying to hide and then the whistling starts. The goth girl is hiding behind a bookshelf and then some books are pushed to the ground and she's startled so she yells out. We see the gunman get in front of her and then he shoots her. We then see the gunman go towards the rocker dude and, and the rocker guy pleads for his life before the gunman shoots him too. The jock tries to get the nerd's attention that he's hiding by like um, the cubicle where the librarian works. And he's like, oh, call, use the librarian's phone to call for help. So the nerd gets the phone and begins to dial, but then the gunman sees him and shoots him too. The jock who is hiding under the table says, screw this. And he tells the cheerleader that it's going to be okay. And he gets up and walks towards the gunman and he, he turns around and he points his gun at him as the jock says, that's enough, get out of here. But the gunman just shoots him. The cheerleader begins to sob and she tries to cover her mouth, but the gunman picks up the table where she's hiding under and then we see that it's Tate and the cheerleader starts to scream, why? And then he shoots her as well. We're back to the beginning of the episode and Constance is telling the SWAT officers not to hurt Tate and they barge into his room and he's just sitting in his bed. They're all pointing their guns at his chest and he puts his hands up slowly and then with his right hand he makes a gun with his fingers and he points it to his head. Then the credits roll in. 
cut, cut to Violet Googling Westfield mas Massacre, and then she's seeing the pictures of all of the victims and making the connections, and then she finally stumbles upon the picture of who the shooter was, Tate Langdon. Violet goes down the stairs, and she's calling out for her mom, but she notices that Constance is in her house casually smoking a cigarette. Constance tells Violet how that now that she lets Violet know that she's not there, like her mom's not there, and Violet asks if Constance uh, hurt her, and Constance chuckles as she says, of course not, and how she's probably at the, at the grocery store buying some food. Constance mentions how Violet found out about Tate like she knew she would, and Violet tells her to tell her to get out of her house and how this cannot be happening. Constance empathizes with her and mentions how she questioned her own sanity when she first found out, but how this house made her a believer. Constance explains that Constance was living there when Tate lost his way and how she thinks that the house drove him to it. Violet says how that can't be real, and Constance says that she can't that she can't be that arrogant and how she's a smart girl. And if she really thinks that there's only one reality that she is able to see. Constance tells her that she wants her to meet someone. And then it cuts to Constance's house. And she introduces Violet to a woman played by the legendary Sarah Paulson called Billy Dean Howard. Violet stays quiet and Constance explains that Billy is a gifted medium and that she can help Violet. Billy looks at Violet and she says that Violet is confused and overwhelmed and how she has a reason to be. Violet says that she did not ask for any of this and Billy tells her that none of them did, but nothing can be done once they have been chosen. And Constance explains that Billy has been helping her for years and how she first found her on Craigslist, but that she, uh, she had to get through all of the fakes before she found Billy and that Billy is 100% authentic. Billy brags that she was just um she she was just at a meeting with the Lifetime Network and how they want to make a pilot about her and Violet asks a Craigslist psychic psychic with a Hollywood agent who would have thought but Billy corrects Violet and says that she's a medium not a psychic and Constance tells Violet to drink some chamomile tea to calm her nose her nerves and Violet just says out loud how she thinks she must be dreaming and Billy says I used to be like you. Until I was 25 when out of the blue, my cleaning lady shows up behind me as I'm washing my teeth, as I'm brushing my teeth, except that she does not have a toilet brush or rubber gloves. She is naked and bloody. Her husband murdered her with an ice pick. Billy asks Violet, do you think I wanted a murdered Mexican in my bathroom? <laughs> you can tell that this show was like not uh, like, like it wasn't made in 2022 because some of the jokes would not be allowed in common day, in, in current day. Uh, Billy continues, all I wanted was to improve my tennis game and unseat Charlotte Whitney as president of my book club, but I was chosen. And then, and when you are chosen, you either go with the program or go crazy. Violet wants to know what Billy's truth is. And Billy explains that some souls like Tate that don't, uh, don't even know that they're dead and they walk around this world with childhood confusion. Constance adds that that is why she wanted Tate to see Ben so that maybe he could help him understand some clarity about himself and that he could see the truth on his own. Billy tells Violet that they must help Tate cross to the other side and Violet tells them that this is bullshit and how she's being set up and she assumes that someone messed with her computer. Violet starts to panic but very calmly Billy asks Violet, who is Mary? 
and she informs her that Mary wants to talk to her. We get a flashback of Violet at a hospital visiting an old lady and the old lady brings her in close and tells Violet that they don't understand her and how they will never understand her. Back in present day, Billy asks Violet if those two sentences mean anything and Violet begins to sob as she walks out of Constance's house. Constance turns to Billy and she asks if they can trust Violet and Billy responds that she, she is not so sure. Cut to Vivian listening to music as she rubs oil in her stomach. And as she's doing that, we see a claw print coming from inside her stomach and she screams, but it was all a nightmare. Vivian is awake and she takes off her wedding ring and then she notices the panic button right next to her bed and she clicks on it. Cut to the hot security guard telling her that he checked the perimeter of the property upstairs in the basement and how everything is clear. Vivian tells him that she's probably just hearing things and she apologizes for wasting his time, but he tells her that it is not a waste of time, not at all, and how that is what he is there for, even if it's for her peace of mind. Vivian thanks him again and tells him that Ben just moved out recently and how he had an affair and she's like, I don't know why I'm telling you this. He tells her that it's okay and how they also get sensitivity training because they deal with people's worst fears, both real and imaginary. The security guy adds that he has his first hand ex- he has had first hand experience with infidelity and he like uh like corrects himself and he's like nah I haven't been the cheater I've been cheated on and he mentions how his wife cheated on him with a woman and Vivian is shook as fuck and he tells her that most guys would have been into that but how he wasn't Ben barges into the house and he asks Vivian what happened uh and Vivian tells him that she heard noises and that the security um And then the security guy gives Ben a breakdown of all the measures that he took to ensure that no one was in the house. Ben thanks him for filling in. And before the security guy leaves, he tells uh, tells him that the woman, a.k.a. Hayden, that he took from their house um, did not make it to the police station and how she must have hopped out of the car on their way there. Um, And he asks them to please keep the alarm on even when they are home. And then he exits. Okay, but that wouldn't happen. Like, that would never happen. Like, you're just, like, casually, like, oh, by the way, you remember that girl I arrested at your house that tried to kill you? Oh, yeah, she just, like, disappeared out of nowhere. That would never happen. (laughs) Uh, This cop would probably be fired already. So as soon as the um, uh, the security closes the door... Vivian asks Ben what he's doing there, and he lets her know that he has has got to work. And she tells him to rent an office, but he reminds her that they don't have any money. He promises to leave right after his last patient, but Vivian reiterates that she does not want him there and how he brought that onto himself. Ben sympathizes with her uh, being upset and angry and how if the tables were turned, that he would feel the same way, but that he needs a place to work because they need the money. Vivian tells him that she's finding it really hard to look at his face and how she really wants to bash it in. Okay, Miss Vivian. She tells him that he is disgusting and a disappointment of a man and that she will end their marriage and sell that house. And the only reason she will let him be a father to their children is because she actually thinks that he's a good dad. But that she will not be his friend and how she won't even tolerate him and that she is okay with him seeing his patients in the house, but that he needs to leave after his last session. Cut to Violet in the restroom and she takes out her blade and she fantasizes about cutting herself. She first fantasizes about cutting her her wrist and then she fantasizes about 
cutting her throat. And then she looks up in the mirror and Tate appears right behind her and he asks her, are you scared now? And when she turns around, he is not there anymore. Cut to Ben with a patient and Ben is asking him about an urban legend. And the man mentions that urban legends terrify him and lately it has gotten so bad that he can't even function. And also the patient is played by Cam from Modern Family. So it's nice to see him in like this kind different kind of role than what I'm used to seeing him in. So uh, the patient tells Ben that all urban legends terrify him, Bloody Mary, Candyman, etc. And how when he was little, his brothers would hold him down and force him to listen to them. Ben mentions how older brothers can be mean and the patient responds, they were my younger brothers. <laughs> so he was just bullied. The man continues that nothing else scares him, only those stories that he knows are utter bullshit, but that he can't help it. And that being this terrified is ruining his life. He asks who wants to be with a man that needs to have his light on at all times and how he can't sleep and he just binges and smokes like a fish and that it has gotten a lot worse and that he has not looked at his reflection in the mirror in the last week. Ben asks why he hasn't looked at his reflection and the patient mentions piggy man and how that urban legend is terrifying and that the story goes that he, there was a hog um like a pig butcher and before he would go into his slaughter pen he would put on a pig mask and snort like a pig and then one day he fell and hit his head and his pigs tore him apart and that not one trace of him was ever found and how not long after his disappearance his former customers they started turning up dead gutted and skinned and found upside down he mentions that the story says that if you stand in front of a mirror and say hey piggy pig pig that piggy man will return for the slaughter and then we get a shot of the patient uh the patient's imagination of him trying it and piggy man hiding behind his shower curtains uh so he so he's we see like a um, scene of him like actually saying piggy pig pig three times and then like the shower curtains move and piggy man is right there and then he attacks him but it's obviously just in his imagination ben asks if he has tried saying that already and the man says no but how there's something inside of him that's afraid that he might do it and how that scares the shit out of him And Ben promises that they will get to the root of the problem and how in the meantime, he wants him to shave. And he and the, the patient is like in, in front of a mirror and the patient is like, okay, I will try. And then Ben agrees to see him again on Wednesday. As soon as the patient exits, Violet walks into the to his study and she looks like she has been crying. And she tells Ben that she is sorry and how it is all her fault. Ben goes over to hug her and he lets her know that it isn't. And he tells her that Vivian and him love her very, very much and how that how that is never going to change. And Violet says that the darkness has her. And Ben is like, no, baby, I have you. We then see Vivian in the kitchen as Moira dries some plates. And Vivian is on the phone with the hospital. And she's asking about the nurse that fainted during her ultrasound. And she finds out that that nurse quit right after her ultrasound. Moira has a slight reaction to hearing this information and Vivian asks the other person on the line to have the ex-nurse call her directly. We then see Constance walk in, walk in and Vivian gets off the call and she gives Constance her condolences about Adelaide, Adelaide or Addie and how she has been meaning to go over to her house but that she has been so busy. Constance tells her that Moira mentioned to her that every time Vivian leaves the house she feels sick sick and she is racked by violent morning sickness 
Vivian nods and Constance starts unpacking this piece of meat that her mother used to recommend to her during her first trimester of pregnancy. Vivian thanks her for thinking of her during Constance's loss, and Constance tells her that she believes that life is for the living. She shows her the meat, and she explains to Vivian what it is and how those parts are so good for mother and child and how it is full of protein and all types of vitamins and iron. Constance asks Vivian how Violet is doing and mentions that she was such a comfort to her when Addie passed. Vivian tells her that Violet is very upset and how she has been isolating in her room. And Constance tells her that children uh, going through transition need alone time. Vivian thanks her for the pieces of meat and even though she looks disgusted by it. And Constance asks Moira to saute the meat for Vivian for Vivian's lunch the same way she used to do it for her. Mora tells her that she'll be happy to do that for Mrs. Harmon. And before Constance leaves, she says, We need that baby. We need another sweet child around here. Cut to Mora cooking the meat, and she asks Vivian if she can say something that might be considered out of turn, but extremely heartfelt. Vivian gives her the green light to speak her thoughts, and Mora says, Cheating on one's pregnant wife qualifies as an unspeakable criminal act. It's on par with murder. And I'll tell you one thing that I know, if I know anything. Dr. Harmon will cheat again if given half the chance. Mora tells her that she hopes that she hasn't upset her by her heartfelt thoughts. And then we see Moira serving Vivian the meat. And Moira also tells her that she has left the pancreas uncooked because it is the tenderest organ out of them all, especially when eaten raw. Vivian tells Mora that she doesn't think that she will eat the pancreas uncooked, but Mora tells her to think of the baby, and then Vivian begins to eat the cooked meat first. We then see Vivian putting her empty plate, so she finishes the food. We see her putting her empty plate in the sink, and she sees the plate of uncooked pancreas, and she leans down to smell it as if it had an appetizing smell. Cut to Ben guiding his patient that is afraid of Piggy Man into the restroom. And he asks if he has been doing the exercises they talked about, like looking at his reflection in the restroom mirror at home. The patient tells him that he only used the reflection of his toaster. And Ben just reminds him that he is at home now, that he is at his home now, and that he is safe, and that he will be standing right outside the bathroom door. The patient is anxious, and Ben just tells him to breathe and reminds him how he will be right outside. Ben tells him that he will be turning off the light and shutting the door now. The patient, Derek, begins to hyperventilate and he, uh, as soon as uh, Ben shuts the door and he yells out that he thinks he's having a heart attack. But Ben just yells out that he is right there with him and Derek goes to the mirror and he says, Here, piggy, pig, pig. And he gets jumpy and then he says it one more time and then he hears something rustling. Derek goes over to the shower curtain and he opens them and the nurse that got drowned in the tub is there and Derek yells out and Ben runs into the restroom. But once he's inside, the, nurse, the, the, the ghost of the nurse is no longer there. Derek tells him how there is something there, but Ben shows him that there's no one there. And Derek begins to sob and says that it will never end and how he didn't even get to the last piggy pig. We then see Vivian and she's at her OBGYN and she's doing some testing to see if Vivian's fetus has any illness or syndrome. And Ben rushes into the room and apologizes for being late. And Vivian tells him that he did not have to leave work to be there. But the doctor is like, of course he should. He's a daddy. 
They tell Vivian that they're going to find the perfect... So the doctor tells Vivian that she's going to find the perfect spot so that they don't hurt the baby and that she will feel a little pinch and then they put a needle inside her stomach for the testing. Cut to Violet with Leah. So Leah is the mean girl that got attacked in basement of murder house. And Violet tells uh, Leah that she owes her an apology. Leah asks if if it attacked her too and Violet says no but that she doesn't know what's real anymore and how she feels like she's losing her mind. Leah tells her that the devil is real and he how he's not a little red man with horns and a tail and how he can be beautiful because he's a fallen angel and he used to be God's favorite. Leah asks Violet if she has read the book of Revelation and she explains that in heaven there's a woman in labor howling in pain and how there's a monster that is waiting to eat her baby but how the angel Michael pushed that monster down to earth. So from that moment, the monster hates the woman and declares war on her and all of her children and how they, are, how they like Leah and Violet, are all of her children. So like every human on earth. Leah tells her that things have gotten pretty bad for her and Violet agrees. That she, and she, like Violet shares that she can't sleep, she can't eat. And Leah agrees that the nights are the worst and how that she can get she can only get four hours if she's lucky and how that only happens with pills. Violet asks what kind of pills and Leah hands them over and she asks if she can have one. Cut to Violet at Westfield Hyde and she's seeing the memorial at the library and she notices a librarian in a wheelchair. And it's the same librarian from um, Tate, the, the flashback, the, the one that Tate shot through the door. And he's like, he, he looks at Violet and he's like, oh, it happened by the sofas. And he explains that it used to be a row of tables and that he he's like, oh, I usually get like four to five sickles each year asking about it. He wants to know if she's a freshman or a transfer. And Violet is like, you're the teacher. You're like a hero. And the librarian slash teacher tells her that heroes don't look like him. And then he wheels away. Violet apologizes and she said that she's not like those other kids and how she knows Tate and then she like rephrases and says that she knows his mom because she lives right next to her. Violet asks the librarian if he knew Tate before he shot up the school and he says that he knew his face and how he did not seem like a bad, bad kid and how he was in there a lot and he read all types of random books. Violet wants to know if he was bullied or something and if he knew the kids he shot. And the librarian is like over it and he begins to wheel away. And Violet tells him that she just wants to know why he didn't. And he yells out, me too. And Violet yells back, why are you bullshitting me? He comes back and says, if the bullet had been one inch to the right, it would have missed my spine and I would have been able to walk out of here. I might have even been able to stop him. An inch higher would have killed me. Sometimes shit just happens. Violet responds, good people just don't have a bad day and start shooting people. And the librarian responds, maybe he wasn't a good person. Ooh, and then he wheels away for good as he should. Also, why is this librarian still working there? Sir, sir, please. You're literally working at the place where you had the most traumatic moment of your life, where you could probably get PTSD everywhere you look because you know that there were dead people there. Sir, please retire. It's fine. It's okay. <laughs> Cut to Vivian walking into uh, the kitchen, and she's telling Moira that she's afraid that she has bad news. And Moira asks if she lost the baby, and Vivian says no. 
and she asks her to stop cleaning and to go sit down with her. Moira does that, and Vivian tells her that she's she's afraid that they will have to let her go. And Moira is confused because the house is spotless, and Vivian explains that it has nothing to do with her. And Moira tells her that it is not a job, like cleaning that house is not a job for her and how it brings her peace. Vivian tells Moira that they can't afford it, and Moira explains that she will work for free then till they sell the house and make the house gleam and glimmer for the new owners. Moira tells Vivian that she has had her share of regrets, but leaving an an expectant mother in her time of need will not be one of them and how she is staying and helping her. Vivian is like, you're so dramatic, and then how she is not helpless. And Moira tells her that she must be famished after a long day, so she changes the subject. And Vivian agrees that she is hungry, and Moira shows her a plate, and she tells her that Constance dropped by another delicious delicacy. Vivian tells her that she does not want her to go through the trouble of cooking for her. And Moira is like, oh, no trouble at all. No trouble. No trouble at all. Uh, Take a shot. (laughs) Since it is served raw so that the baby can get all the nutrients it needs. And then Vivian opens the platter and it's raw brains. Let me repeat that again. She opens the the platter and it is raw brains. I don't know from what fucking animal, but raw brains indeed. And Miss Vivian Harmon begins to eat the brain. And she even peppers it and she eats all of the raw brain. Like she does not leave one little nugget of brain behind. Afterwards, she kind of like... Like, this is, like, she kind of realizes that she ate a raw brain and she enjoyed it and she just sits there all confused. You see Violet, uh, cut to Violet getting to the house and she puts on the alarm and then she sees someone walk by. Like, she catches someone walking by, but, like, in the corner of her eye. She puts her back down and she calls out for Tate and then we see Tate walk by again and Violet follows him down to the basement. Violet calls out his name and she tells him that she's not playing hide and seek and how he has to leave. And then the twins um, run by as they play with poppers and Violet runs into the nurse from the tub. And also two peop- the two people from the home invasion that died at the house and even Dr. Char- Charles Montgomery. And he's asking if his wife has already medicated her and if she's in there for the procedure. We see Violet climbing up to the stairs to her room and her iPod is at full volume. And when she walks in, someone wrote in her blackboard, I love you. And she falls down to the floor and begins to sob. And then she takes a few a few of the pills that Leah gave her. And, uh, and then she begins to take all of the pills and then she gags and then she gets on her bed and she just lays on her side. Cut to Tate dragging Violet to the restroom and he's yelling for her not to die on him. And she gets her in the tub and turns on the water and he sticks his fingers in her mouth and he makes her puke and then she begins to sob. We then see Ben with his patient, Derek, and he's asking if he has been doing the cognitive exercise that he suggested. And Derek says that he has been, but nothing helps. And he also mentions that he met a girl from the accounting department and that he can sense that there's some chemistry there. And Ben is like, that's good. Ask her out. And Derek asks, what if she wants to come home with me? And then she freaks out when she sees that all of my mirrors are covered. How he doesn't know how he could explain that. Ben tells him that he's doing this to himself and how it is the psychological law of physics and how the more you fear things, the more power you give it. And then we see like a scene of Ben looking through the window, seeing Vivian and the hot security guy talking to each other, but it looks like they're flirting as he he tells that to Derek. 
Ben continues, you need to conquer this thing, Derek. You need to go home and say the words in front of a mirror. And he also says that there is no piggy man and how once he faces that he can finally start to deal with the real issues in his life. Derek tells him that he's absolutely right and how he wants to do it and how he thinks that he can do it. And Ben tells him that the moment he does, he will finally be free. Cut to Vivian walking into a church and she approaches this woman who's lighting some candles and it's the nurse that fainted when Vivian went to go get checked. Angela, the nurse, does not look happy to see Vivian and she just walks away and Vivian like follows her and thanks her for agreeing to meet. And Angela is like, of course, but like Vivian tries to get closer and, and, and Angela is like, oh, that's enough. Like <laughs> we need some distance here. Vivian tells her that she that when she gave her the address, she did not realize that it was a church. And Angela tells her that that is where she feels safe. Vivian uh, tells her that she has been concerned since she heard that she quit her job at the hospital. And she thought that the ultrasound machine malfunctioned, but that she thinks that Angela saw something. Angela agrees that she saw the unclean thing that she carries in her womb, the plague of nations, the beast. Vivian is like, oh, so you didn't see anything. The machine did malfunction because obviously she's not believing what Angela just said to her. But Angela is adamant that the machine worked properly and how she saw little hooves. Vivian gets up and tells her that she needs help. And as she walks out of the church, Angela yells after her, and the woman was full of filthiness of her fornication, the mother of harlots and abominations of earth. We then get a shot of Derek removing the cover from his bathroom mirror, and he closes the door and turns off the lights, and he looks determined. He musters up the courage, and he starts saying the, here, piggy, pig, pig. He says it twice, and then he says it a turn third time and once his, he does his fucking shower curtains open and reveal a man dressed in all black, black pointing a gun right at him and he asks who are you calling a pig before he shoots him another man also dressed in all black storms into the restroom and he asks what he's doing and how they he just turned a robbery into a murder case and the man in the shower says that Derek called him a pig and they agreed to get the hell out of there cut to Constance's house and she's there with Billy just talking and she jokingly tells Billy how she's beginning to think that she's a fraud and mentions how her nail polish is vulgar red <laughs> Constance would not like me and Billy says don't take it out on me just because your dead daughter is mad at you Constance turns around and asks why the hell she would say that to her and Billy tells her because she knows she's capable of handling the truth and how she sees it all the time the dead holding a grudge better than most living, most of the living. Constance tells her how she needs to talk to Addie and how she has one last thing she needs to tell her. She also shares that she miss, misses her so dearly and that Addie was the reason for living. And Billy responds, she says that you should have told her that when she was alive. She's a feisty one. Billy tells her to talk to her and how Addie is there with them. And Constance sits down and grabs Billy's hands and she says, Baby, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry because most of the time I was with you, especially when you were younger, I was just so overwhelmed. It was never easy being a single parent, and you were such a handful. So I guess I forgot to say the things that I was supposed to say, but that I honestly always felt in my heart. 
I am so proud of you, Addie. I admire, I admire you so much for what you were able to overcome. And I think you're beautiful, Addie. I think you're the most beautiful girl I ever met. Billy wipes away a tear and says that Addie says thank you and that she knows. And that where she is now on the other side, she's a pretty girl at last. She also wants... Um, she also tells uh, Constance that Addie wants her to know that she is grateful for not getting her to the lawn of Murder House and how she does not want to be stuck in that house with Tate because she's afraid of him now that she knows the truth. Cut to a flashback in 1994 when the SWAT team rushes into Constance's house and we see Constance yelling to please let her talk to him and how she just needs to talk to him. But the officers grab her as she's yelling out Tate's name and she's telling the officers that he will go peacefully and how he is just a child. We see the scene again of Tate putting his hands up and making a gun with his hands at, and, sh and shooting at his head. And then he keeps his hands up and then he quickly reaches under his blanket to grab a gun and all the SWAT team fires at him. And one of the cup rushes towards him as Tate is in the floor dying and he asks him why he did it, but it's too late. And he is gone. Cut to Violet in her room just flipping through a book. And she notices that Tate had checked out that book from the library. And Tate appears before her and he says, I like birds too. And Violet asks him why he likes them. And he responds that they can fly away when things get too crazy. And he asks if she's going to tell her parents about the pills. About the pills and she says no how she is sleeping a lot and they already think that she's depressed and Tate asks if she is. Violet just says that she is sad and Tate responds, me too. Tate says, Violet, something has changed in you towards me. You are distant and cold. I don't know what I have done, but I'll leave you alone if that is what you want. He asks, you know why I'll leave you alone? Because I care about your feelings more than mine. I love you. There, I said it not just on the shock board. I would never let anybody or anything hurt you. I have never felt that way about anyone. Violet asks uh, Tate to go towards her and Tate climbs in bed with her and then he they cuddle together and he is the little spoon. And Tate is like, I'm tired. And Violet responds, me too. End of episode. <laughs> All right, fucked up fam. Let's get started with our segment. Uh, that character fucked up. Starting with, um, Tate. What, like, what did what did you think was gonna happen when you shot up your school? Like seriously, like it's very. I, I don't even know where to start with this because we live in a country where school sh shootings is the norm. As bad as that sounds, that is literally the norm here in the United States. Why? Let's not go into that topic of conversation because that could take a whole fucking episode. But it is. It really is. But I I don't want to put myself in the shoes of a, of a shooter. Like, I really don't. I don't want to sympathize with them. I, I don't want to hear about their upbringing. I don't want to hear that they had issues that, you know, because there's always going to be someone that has it worse than them and they're not out there going like and shooting people, you know, shooting students, their fellow peers at school, whatever. So 
I want to know what the end game was. Like, was his was Tate's end game always to die? Or, like, what was he thinking? Because this fool, literally, this fool shot up his school, killed a bunch of students, and then he just came back home and was, like, chilling. Chilling, killing. Like, literally chilling, killing. Oh, my God. I fucking hate myself. So, I'm like, what was the point, bro? Like, you, like, okay, you came back home. You're chilling. SWAT gets there. And you're like, I don't want to, I don't want to go to jail. So, let them, like, you know suicide by cop like i i don't get it so i guess tate fucked up by deciding to shoot up his school (laughs) all right let's what oh also not look luke and vivian luke is the hot cop like the hot security guy not them two bonding over their shared trauma of being cheated on like (laughs) i i'm Personally, I love trauma bonds. Like, yeah, you went through the same thing that I did. Oh, yeah, like you relate. No one relates to me like you do because you've literally been there. I love trauma bonding. Like, is that a red flag? Let me know. Let me know if that is a red flag. But I feel like no one understands you like the person that has also been through what, like your worst fucking nightmare. So I guess both of their fucking nightmares was to get cheated on. Uh, I don't know. I that this has nothing to do with that. That character fucked up because I feel like none of them fucked up. Well, I guess Vivian's fuck up was just staying with Ben. Ben, not Ben. <laughs> Vivian fucked up by staying with Ben and trying to make it work. Like, oh my God, yes, you love him. There's more to life than love. There's more. It's called. There's more to life. I was gonna be like, it's called respect. But honestly, I don't know what I would do in Vivian's position. No, I do know what I would do, and it's it rhymes with smurder. I just <laughs> also, ben, my dude again, Ben fucking up. When when Violet goes up to Ben and she's like, she comes in crying and stating that the darkness has her. Like this fool really isn't listening. He he makes like the biggest assumption that she's upset about him and Vivian like breaking up and not being together anymore and no Ben no your daughter is upset because she is seeing fucking ghosts and because she's in love with a ghost who killed a bunch of innocent people that is why your daughter is upset your daughter is seeing all the fucking ghosts in the fucking murder house the fucking haunted house that you bought because it was cheap and again we go back to your series of unfortunate events if ben had kept his dick in his pants uh you know they would be in boston just big chilling not killing just big chilling like um dealing with the drama of vivian having a miscarriage but they would not be in a house where I, I was gonna say thousands but maybe like a couple what like maybe less than a hundred ghosts live there but I mean a hundred ghosts in a, a pretty big house it's a pretty big house but it, I wouldn't call it a mansion I wouldn't call it a manor I wouldn't call it an estate I would call it a house a big house uh but yeah, it, it should probably gets fucking crowded in there. Like all those ghosts and then like the alive people too. Mm-mm. That is a no from me, dog. No silence, no privacy, just vibes. 
Also, Ben, listen to your daughter. She literally comes in crying. She doesn't give a fuck about you and Vivian breaking up. She probably is happy about that, honestly. She's like, fucking finally. Um, Vivian, my girl. I Look, I've never been pregnant. I don't know if I ever will. I don't know anything about pregnancy, about carrying a baby to term. I don't know what the, your diet should be. I just know that sometimes you get morning sickness and then you miss your period for a couple of months. That's literally all I know. I'm fucking clueless. I um, am the most stupid person when it comes to dealing with that subject matter because I've never had a child. Uh, period point black. Honey, but I don't think you should eat raw meat. I don't, I do know that you aren't supposed to eat sushi and that's raw fish. So does it translate to meat? Well, I feel like you really shouldn't eat raw meat, right? Right? Like, <laughs> I, I'm like expecting the ghost in my room to answer the question. Um, no, but also if the meat, your neighbor brings random meat and you find it appetizing without it even being cooked. Vivian, no, there's something wrong. Oh, <laughs> uh, then this one's for Ben. Well, I think I don't really know if this is a fuck up, but like it's an unconscious fuck up. And it's um it's trying to cure your patient's trauma in your fucking haunted house. <laughs> Like, you're literally locking your paranoid as fuck ass patient in the restroom where someone was drowned. Well, obviously, I don't know if Ben knows. Well, he does know this because those fanatics tried to, like, kill Vivian and Violet. But, I, well, I guess it's because he's a skeptic. But, again, it's an unconscious fuck up. Don't see your patients in your house, first of all. First and foremost, Bro, get a fucking office. Your wife doesn't want you working out of the house. She fucking hates you. Um, you're putting your your like wife's daughter and unborn uh, child's life in danger. You did it once when you went to go see fucking psycho ass Hayden in Boston, and now you're still doing it because you're dealing with mentally unstable people. Are they all dangerous? No. Could does it put your family in danger? Absolutely. Bro, no. Stop seeing your patients in your house, especially because it's haunted. Stop. Stop, Ben. I'm begging you. Also, what the fuck is up with Violet yelling at the librarian? Like, Violet, hasn't this librarian dealt with enough? Dealt with so much? Literally, the trauma. I already talked about this during the episode. This librarian is literally in a wheelchair. Also, shout out to male librarians because we don't really see them. He's literally in a wheelchair just doing his little job. And he's like, bro, like your little boyfriend, your little or, or like the, the son of your neighbor was not a good person. And, and Violet is like, but who, why do good people like a good person doesn't just wake up and decide to shoot a fucking school? And he's like, mm, maybe he isn't a good person. And honestly, if he's Constance's son, <laughs> Constance is not a light, nice lady. She is not nice. And we saw like clips of her uh, husband who she shot and it's like like Tate 
did not have a good like just based off his parents he did not have a bright future ahead of himself because I'm, I'm a firm believer that you know you what, what it's a nature versus nurture type of argument you know um and I believe in like both a little bit of both but if you're raised by ship people I'm sorry, sometimes you're gonna turn into a shit person yourself unless you're actively trying to fight against the their uh, their way of life, which has now become your way of life, and you're actively trying to break those chains. And Tate did not seem like the type of guy that wanted to break those chains. He was just like, oh, you're shit people, watch me, bro. Watch me, ma'am. I'm gonna be even worse than you. He's like, I'm your worst fucking nightmare, and he did. I don't know where I went off of on this tangent, but yeah, Violet, first of all, your boyfriend's dead. Your boyfriend killed a bunch of people. Do not lie. Do not yell at this poor librarian who has to deal with fucking, fucking murder. Um, what is it called? Fanatics. Because that's not even true crime junkies. You know, I'm a true crime junkie, but I respect the victims. And then there's like murder fanatics that are literally fangirling about the people that committed the murders. And that is not right. In this household, we don't remember the murderers, we remember the victims, and we uh, fight for the victims' rights. Yes. I don't think that's what I wanted to say. We fight. No, we don't fight. We, what's the word that I'm fucking looking for? We respect, no, that's not it. I don't know where I'm going with this, but yeah. Uh, In conclusion, don't be an asshole to your local librarian. Thank you very much. Also, this is a, a fuck up from Vivian. Vivian, if your maid says that they're cool with just working and not getting paid, honey, that's a red flag. Nobody's going to say that. Nobody's going to be like, you know what? Yeah, like I know you're going through it, um, but I really like working here for free. Like I love it. It gives me a purpose. Honey, that's a ghost. That's literally a woman that was murdered inside the house that you own now. That's why she's okay with not getting paid. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, how, like, what other information do you need, Vivian? If, and then you should feel bad, right? Because if like, if the person that works in my house is like, oh, you don't have to pay me. Obviously, I'm going to be like feeling bad. And I'm like, obviously, I'm going to pay you or else I'm going to let you go. Because if I can't pay you, then what are you doing here? You're not going to work in my house for free. And Vivian's like, you know what? Yeah, just stay and help me. Uh, you know, if this is what you want, just stay and help me. No, Vivian, your white woman is showing. It is showing very, very much. <laughs> um. Also, if your maid wants to work for free it's one of two things either she's a ghost or she's trying to fuck her husband i don't know i don't know in this case it's both <laughs> hot young moira is trying to is trying to fuck ben uh old moira just needs a purpose in life what else what else what else also vivian if the nurse that did your ultrasound and then fainted and then you find out she fucking quit her nursing job another red flag sweetie another red flag like there's something wrong with the child you're carrying in your womb and now this lady is all religious and she only agrees to meet you at 
at a church and she's lighting a fucking candelaria when you get there and she's like oh stay away from me like six feet she's giving you like the, the covid spiel she's like uh that's that's enough space between us like you should keep your distance red flag red walking flag and then you want to see her and because you want to like get her point of view of what happened and then you don't believe her when she says that you're literally carrying the, the devil's spawn in your womb so what was the point of even agreeing to see her vivian i don't get it like i'm trying to help you out here and you're not taking the hints no you're not taking the hints that people are putting out what else oh my god tate writing i love you in your girlfriend's room while she's not there and she's fucking going through it and she's terrified because she found out that you're a mass murderer and then you're a ghost and then the house that she lives in is full of ghosts no that is not helping you like if i walked into my room and someone wrote i love you and like the blackboard in my room i don't have a blackboard thank god but if like someone did that and i'm like um no who did that i would literally try to kill myself like like violet did so yeah if you're trying to get on your girlfriend's good side first of all don't torment her and then don't try to like uh love bomb her by like i writing i love you in her blackboard and then this one's for violet you would think you would think that finding out all of this information about her lovely, lovely boyfriend would be, would like spook her out, like off, spook her off, spook her out, spook her out. I think that's the correct way to say it, right? You would think she'd be like turned off by it, but no, she's like, oh, no, he's a good person. It was the house. Um, What else? What else? She's like, oh my God, yes. Let me be the big spoon while we cuddle because you're so tormented. You're so broken. Let me fix you. Honey, sweetie pie, darling, you can't fix that man. <laughs> that man is so broken, Violet, and you're a teenage girl. You have no business trying to fix this man. A fine-ass man, if I do say so myself, but broken as shit. No amount of super glue, no amount of gorilla glue would help you put this man back together. He has so many issues. And then the sherry on top of the cake, he's dead. So I don't think he's trying to work through any of his issues. Yes, of course, Constance is like, oh, I'm so happy that a psychiatrist moved in next door. Maybe he can help my dead son work through his trauma. What? Constance, your dead son's trauma is you. You were a horrible mother. And that is why, like, I feel like this was even before they moved into murder house. Like, you were just a horrible person. You literally were okay with... Oh, wait, no, I don't think we've gotten there yet. Have we gotten there? Oh, I was about to give a fucking spoiler. <laughs> but you've li literally treated all your children like shit. And then you were like, you know what's going to help my son to talk about this with a therapist? But it turns out the issue is you. <laughs> holy shit Alrighty then also i was really racking my brain about who i could give the savage of the week award to this week but honestly 
honestly, all the characters this week were fucking pussies, my dude. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, maybe this person, no, maybe this person, mm, no, I'm, I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it. Piggy Piggy was the episode where there was no Savage of the Week. However, there is a Coward of the Week award. The Coward of the Week award goes to Tate Langdon. What the biggest pussy of them all. So what? So what your dad went away? Well, not really. Your mom literally murdered him because he was cheating on her and because he was probably a shit person. Like, I'm sorry, dude. You're okay. So, yeah, you live on a haunted house, uh, you know, but. What else, dude? Like, wh why did you decide to shoot all of these people and murder them? Because if we really think it's the house, yes, the house makes you do bad stuff, but not that much. Like, let's look at fucking Violet, for instance. Let's look at fucking Ben. Let's look at Vivian. What bad stuff are they doing living in that house, you know? Or it could be that the house just hides who you already are. But I don't know, dude. Like you, like Constance blaming him shooting up the school and turning into this evil person on the house seems like bullshit to me. I think that Tate was destined to be a horrible fucking person, and he's a coward. At the end of the day, Tate Langdon, you're a piece of shit coward. Yes, you're a hot character. Yes, you were like my teenage um like dream guy because. I feel like I watched the show way too young and I'm like, oh my God, he's so hot and so dreamy and he's so sad. He's so emo. Rock on, dude. Like, you know, but you're a bitch. You're a pussy ass bitch, bro. So, yeah. <laughs> uh we have gotten to the end of our episode yes we have so you already know the drill follow the podcast on social media on instagram where that show effed me up f is spelled e-f-f-e-d on twitter where that d-a-t show fuck me up fuck is spelled without a u so it's f-c-k-e-d Give the podcast a five-star review on both Apple Podcasts and Spotify. The more reviews the podcast has, the better visibility. And if more people uh, listen to this podcast, they can join the shared psychosis. I mean, who doesn't want to join the shared psychosis? Am I right? Fucked up, damn. Like, I feel like all of our lives are so much better now that we're all delusional. <laughs> we're on the same headspace. We're all vibrating at a higher altitude what am i trying to say we're all vibrating at a higher altitude we're like way smarter than everyone else we're delusional we're uh manic uh, just kidding we're just experiencing the shared psychosis that uh, comes with being part of the fact of fact of the fucked up fandom oh my god i need to go memes you guys i need to go knock the fuck out because the shared psychosis is getting to me <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for listening. Y'all the best. I love you so much. And remember, be gentle, be kind, and don't be an asshole unless you absolutely have to be. Goodbye. <laughs>